Welcome to EvoEdge, the new podcast by EES that focuses on the cutting edge topics in evaluation. The topic of today's podcast is evaluating blended finance. With me, I have Jose Carvajal Martinez, who is the director for the Financial Private Sector Sustainability Development Department at IEG. Jose also leads the private sector evaluation thematic working group for the EES. I'm also very pleased to introduce you to two other colleagues who work with Jose Naiji, um, Iro Atashima, Senior Evaluation Officer, and Unur Jargaldenbero, Evaluation Officer. They are here to share insights on how do you actually evaluate blended finance in the context of development finance institutions or what we call DFI. Jose, Iro, and Unur, will introduce us to a recent deep dive evaluation of five projects from IFC and NIGA. IFC and NIGA are two arms of the World Bank. Uh, one is the International Finance Corporation and the other one is the Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency. For those who are interested in the work that our three guests uh, have done over the last months and want to see their report and blog, they are easily available on our webpage. And you will also hear the voices of Tom Lin and Elena Lapun, my teammates at the ES podcast. Well, great, let's start. Jose, Unur, Hiro, tell us everything, starting with what is actually blended finance and how do you define it? Thank you, Mariana. Uh, let me try to have a go at this question. Blended finance uh, happens when both subsidies and commercial funding are present in the financing package supports development projects, with the private sector taking significant roles in such projects. Uh, the subsidies part are the concessional funding element, uh, for example, grants, while the commercial funding is the so-called non-concessional funding element, which still looks for uh, a rate of return commensurate with the risks of the project. Uh, blended finance is used um, to support normally projects that have potentially high development impact, for example, socioeconomic uh, impact in terms of jobs or trade or environmental benefits in terms of clean air or water. Um, but because of the risks associated with these projects, they are unable to attract funding on purely commercial terms. So what happens is that the subsidy in that financing package does the trick and enables the private sector to invest, thereby helping to mobilize private capital. So blended finance in that way contributes to some of the so-called financial de-risking of the project. Jose, thank you very much. Um, Unur and Hiro, turning to you, perhaps you could provide us with an example of what blended finance is. And in your report, what was the object of your analysis? Um, if I can pick a, a couple of things from your report, I see here that uh, one is on green technologies and another on agriculture. Sure, Tom. Uh, the green technology project was uh, introducing energy and water efficient technologies in affordable residential housing for the first time in the country. And because the greening cost was high, the developers couldn't pass these costs to home buyers and renters. And on the other hand, uh, the affordable housing fund that was uh, financing the developers wouldn't have invested in this uh, development of green homes because these additional greening costs would have lowered 
returns for the fund's investors. So I've seen structured blended financing the fund to partially cover these uh, incremental greening costs and through a holistic approach involving investment as well as capacity building for the broader uh, market development, um, IFC was able to influence its client, the broader market to uh, adopt these uh, new changes. And at the end, the buyers and renters of green homes benefited from energy and water efficiency savings. I can tell more about the other project in the agriculture sector. The agriculture project we evaluated has the purpose of helping farmers and cooperatives to have a brand new equipment through leasing. They rely on second-hand equipment that is very costly to maintain. I actually arranged a three-party agreement among trader, cooperatives, and the bank. The bank provides leasing contracts and, and the trader deducts the lease payment from the delivery of the commodity. At first, the banks were reluctant to work with cooperatives, but because of the guarantees, it is willing to give lease financing. The guarantee price is maintained to make the lease affordable, and that is a place where the blended finance comes in. Blended finance is the instrument, the subsidy that makes sure the price is affordable. In the end, the farmers were able to have the new equipment and deliver more products. At the end, uh, the farmers' income were enhanced due to these arrangements. Thank you, Hiro and Unur, uh, for explaining us what is blended finance. It gives us a more realistic perspective of what a blended finance project looks like. But we've been doing blended finance for a number of years, right? Uh, what is so interesting about it now, Jose? The reasons why we feel this evaluation exercise was worthwhile is a combination of context, timing, and the lack of evidence from real case studies. In terms of context, blended finance is now a focus of attention because of the Sustainable Development Goals agenda and the complex challenges uh, it faces to attract private sector investment and know-how, especially in low-income and fragile and conflict situation countries, uh, which is another strand of work of the thematic working group of private sector of the European Evaluation Society. And of course, all these, uh, all these impacts are now being exacerbated by, by the onslaught of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the fact is the World Bank Group has been using blended finance and a series of related financial instruments for a long time to support projects that uh, uh, contain what we call market failures that restrict private sector participation. The latest estimate is up to 2 billion in concessional funds over the last 10 years. Now, in terms of timing, as I was saying, there is a renewed interest in private sector finance, but it turns out that the existing evidence from real case studies is scarce. So we were trying to combine the evidence from the early results that were mixed, uh, experimenting with alternative blended finance instruments and structures. And we wanted to have another go, another look at how more recent blended finance projects have performed on the ground. So that's the reason why I decided to make um, what we call a deep dive uh, and use case studies from five different countries, from different sectors to gather evidence. As I was saying, VFIs and governments in developing countries and emerging markets are quite interested 
in finding ways to mobilize private capital. So we thought that this report would provide a useful contribution to the debate. Jose Onur and Hiro. Um, so thank you very much. A uh, very interesting conversation. And um, I actually read the report when it was issued. So congratulations. It's very novel and comprehensive work and quite challenging, methodologically including, uh, such as data protection issues, for example. So you mentioned all those case studies. And here I wonder, despite all the challenges, um, why did you decide uh, to go exactly for the case study approach? And uh, what were the alternatives uh, when you started thinking about it? Let me come to this, uh, uh, let me answer these questions. We, uh, based on our previous assessment, earlier project had startup challenges. They were predominantly in the middle income countries, mostly focused on climate change issues and were through financial intermediaries. The typical problem was low use of facilities and the project intended objectives were often not realized. IFC has moved on by learning those experience and that was a starting point for assessing the case studies. We picked up cases strategically to align with IFC's strategic intentions and the current focus. For deep dive case studies, we purposefully selected five blended finance projects, which were in Africa and the Middle East regions and covered various sectors, not just simply the climate change issues. This project reflects IFC's current emphasis on low-income countries and fragility, and with a mix of financial instruments such as equity, subordinated debt, and guarantees. To conduct this evaluation, we are in mind of various, you know, the various use of the products, as well as the information securities and the challenges of the private sector data. First, we carry out in-depth reviews with field visits to assess the performance and to draw lessons from the, the experience. We prepared a project performance assessment reports using our existing evaluation framework, but complementing with additional assessment of the blended finance features. Then a synthesis report was compiled, combining evaluative evidence from portfolio, as well as five deep dive projects. Lastly, we prepared a public version for the report and a blog by focusing on key messages and findings while not revealing clients non-public commercial information. We ended up with a set of outputs tailored for different audiences, including the investment project teams, IFC management, the board of the World Bank Group and the public and development community. Elena, thank you so much for your question. This is indeed a podcast on evaluation and innovation. So it was nice to understand um, the team's choice for a case study evaluation and, and also understand the approach. Unor Hiro, can you provide us additional insights on what happened behind the scenes of this complex evaluation? What worked well from the point of view of the design and implementation of, of the evaluation? Yes, Mariana, I think the, uh, we are trying to be innovative and trying to be adaptive to the new instruments we are facing. IFC has been using Expos Evaluation Framework for the investment project for more than two decades in line with Evaluation Corporation Group's good practice standards. Our evaluation exercise use that framework, but in addition, we assess specific features of blended finance based on IFC's principles of use of concessional resources. For example, 
we exercise extra scrutiny to assess the counterfactual. You know, this is what would happen without the blended finance. Whether there was a sound economic or market failure justification for using the blended finance, whether subsidies were the right amount or if they were too excessive, and whether the social returns justified the subsidy component materialized and they were higher than the private sector gains. These are extra consideration for this uh, specific exercise. I'd like to add here to what Hira said. Uh, I think that another thing that worked well is coordination in conducting field assessments and preparing the underlying project evaluations. Uh, to carry out our evaluation, we um, had efficient country field visits uh, in uh, different countries uh, where three staff were, were covering uh, four projects in four countries in two rounds. And during the first round, uh, we were able to test our evaluation framework and approach and uh, assess also environmental and social performance of projects. And uh, during the second round, we were able to um, implement kind of lessons of the previous round so that we could enhance our field assessment. And when we prepared underlying project evaluations, uh, as Hiro explained, we covered assessment of blended finance uh, aspects, which were efficiently aggregated in the synthesis report. Una, Hiro, thank you so much. That's really, really interesting. And perhaps now we can turn to what at least some of the listeners will know as my passion, which is how do we learn from our evaluations? And perhaps you could tell us what evaluation challenges did you face and how did you solve them in relation to learning? And also brief us on what was different in this evaluation from other private sector types of evaluation that you're familiar with? Uh, because of the focus of evaluation on blended finance instrument, uh, definitely validating that the subsidies were minimized and didn't distort the markets was new in our evaluation. In any blended finance operation involving concessional resources, a subsidy element must address a market failure and have clear economic benefits exceeding the cost of the subsidy. So our assessment indicated that the level of subsidy was just right for AFC to risk its own capital. And we found that all evaluated projects realized economic benefits for beneficiaries, for the broader market development, which significantly exceeded the cost of the subsidies. Uh, but to do this analysis, we constructed a detailed theory of change for each project on how it was expected to achieve its intended impacts. Then we conducted a detailed economic analysis to quantify the economic benefits, which were then compared uh, to the subsidy amount. And one of the challenges in doing the economic analysis was related to the limited availability of beneficiary data, uh, where the project companies had a strong capacity. Um, they were able to monitor and collect the data. So for example, uh, energy efficiency savings for greenhouse and residents. Uh, in other cases, we relied on uh, market data, for example, in case of specialty food processing project, where the relief agencies account for the largest share of the global market. Uh, we uh, use the available market data uh, from these uh, agencies. And also our evaluation pointed out that actually many of these projects benefited from IFC's technical assistance as well as uh, total realized income for these projects was 
below the original expectation uh, due to prepayment or delays, uh, but these indirect financial benefits were not fully recognized uh, as a subsidy. And Hiro, uh, I wonder how uh, you have dealt with the issue of attribution. Um, how do we assess the ability of the instrument to reduce risk? How do we compile the evidence that shows that indeed that outcome is a result of the intervention that you've made? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, we were able to estimate the income of the farmers that participated in the case of the agriculture project I mentioned. But an issue you mentioned is attribution. And this is really a challenge. Many blended finance projects benefited from technical assistance from IFC and sometimes the other donors or players. Sometimes they are directly linked like this agriculture project case. The farmers associations were previously supported by IFC and it's almost a precondition for their participation. So the technical assistance is an important part. And uh, we know that you know, the, those farmers are actually supporters in the IFCs through these TAs and also this uh, financial package. Uh, but their costs and benefits are not reflected in the assessment uh, of, the, of this uh, whole package because it's difficult to attribute TAs or financial package is the most important part or the other. So I think this is a, a challenging part, although there's a strong footprint of the project activities overall, we cannot say blended finance or the technical assistance. It's really a combination of both. But what we can say is the participation of the financial uh, parties, the banks, are really induced by the subsidy elements of the blended finance. In that regards, it is clear because of the counterfactual assessment that you know, blended finance had a risk uh, mitigation act uh, activities and effect because of that, the complete package based on the three-party agreement is complete. And that is uh, actually the evidence of the blended finance risk mitigations. So blended finance ability to reduce risk can be assessed by examining the final deal structure and ultimate distribution risk among the parties involved. Lowering the risk to some participant means they are more willing to join in the deal. And that is evidence of the instrument's risk reduction effects. I have a question here. Um, I'm hearing you speak, and I, I, I recognize that subsidies and, and value for money approaches, or evaluation of subsidies and value for money approaches, are effectively very important when um, evaluating blended finance instruments. Can you tell us more about it? Uh, yes, Marianne, uh, uh, the focus on subsidies and blended finance instruments, I think there are two uh, aspects that contribute to it. Uh, first is the methodological one. Uh, it's the technical part of uh, how do you assess the subsidies and uh, to which extent they uh, have underdone or overdone the risk they were supposed to mitigate. Uh, the second one is the motivational one because there are principles on how to use blended finance, uh, which are agreed by FC and other DFIs in terms of transparency and because Consensual funding almost always comes from taxpayer funds. Uh, the blended finance projects, they have to pass the value for money test. And that uh, value for money test actually uh, comes from the demonstration that uh, these tax fund, taxpayer funds, uh, they have been utilized not to provide a new competitive advantage, but to address market failures uh, that we spoke. 
And uh, uh, actually, all these subsidies uh, eventually should disappear because the blended finance uh, is used only to jumpstart the markets, uh, to, uh, to address the market failures uh, uh, if it's either like costs are high or, you know, uh, to avoid delays or, you know, introduce new practices. So, uh, but this will be uh, more uh, visible in more like repeat projects, I would say. Tom mentioned his passion for learning. And uh, here I'm curious uh, in regards to learning, how actually uh, learnings from this report uh, could go beyond evaluation and uh, help to build capacity, capacity and blended finance. So after evaluating all those case studies, what are your insights on how it can help build internal capacities? Let me answer this because we've been working very extensively to disseminate our findings. And we are being participating in the OECD DAC working group on blended finance evaluation. As you know, there, there's many market players discovering the blended finance instrument and the debate is very hot between the market players and also the aid agencies. We are articulating the lessons from this exercise to create uh, capacity building and cross-fertilization among the DFIs and aid agencies. Uh, beyond the presentation I did in January 2020 at the OECD DAC Private Sector Financing Forum, I was also involving uh, talk with many, many bilateral players and also presenting some of the evaluation societies. Most recently, I did a, a short presentation to Japanese society to facilitate understanding of the blended finance and how to evaluate the, this instrument. And the many challenges are actually the understanding the private sector type of, uh, uh, type of activities. One thing we want to emphasize here is that it is important to conduct this type of evaluation through multiple uh, expertise, including financial and business skills, sector expertise, and most importantly, some of the environmental social assessment skills, because we have to make sure that no externalities are not uh, covered in, the, in this evaluation. So we really need to emphasize the capacity building of multiple areas in order to address this uh, blended finance instrument. Thanks very much. You mentioned uh, there the importance of the, the private sector. And when I was with Save the Children, I noticed that at Save, but also across the development sector, there was a, a kind of lingering distrust of the, of the private sector and, and in particular pharmaceuticals and others. Um, uh, and if not distrust, then a certainly, certainly a suspicion about what it might be able to contribute to international development. I was wondering if we need to do more work in the international development context to bring people over uh, to understand what the private sector can contribute and if evaluation can help to do that. Thank you, Tom. This is a very uh, important and, and relevant point that you're making. Um, I'll let Hiro uh, provide you the answer, but just let me say at the start that the, the, the rationale behind the, 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 your point is that that's the reason why uh, uh, the World Bank Group came up with an agreement uh, on the principles of blended finance to try and harmonize the use and the transparency with that. And this was promoted by the AFC, uh, as you know, the private sector arm of the World Bank Group, in order also to help us monitor each other closer in terms of performance uh, and outcomes. But uh, perhaps Hiro can complement this 
with more detail. Yeah, let me add this. Uh, blended finance can be seen as a platform for partnership between the private sector, donors, and the development partners. Business has a problem with the risk and cannot solve the issues without these important players. And uh, in order to achieve this, there's a lot of trust building should be taking place. Blended finance we see is an opportunity to reduce risk, but also to build a trust among those players, which would be beneficial for developing players to sell their value proposition. And at the end, realizing the impactful uh, project in the place where it's most needed. Hiro, thank you so much. I think the three of you are opening up the door for the backstage of a really complex and important World Bank uh, evaluation, and that, that's an honor. I mean, just hearing you talking about the issues of attribution, how come all, everything that's involved in setting up a team that has full expertise, and um, I, I cannot even imagine all the confidentiality uh, challenges you had to go through to uh, release the, the evaluation and create subcommunication products. Um, that's, that's really a thing. But at the same time, as much as I would like to continue the discussion, we are starting to get close to the end. And um, I hope we can do more of it. But in between, Jose, all in all, what would you say that were the unique features of this evaluation? And what is the evidence of things being done differently as a result of, of your work? Thank you, Mariana. Um, if I had to choose the novelty of the report that we have been discussing in the podcast, podcast is that it provides ground evidence of what works, uh, why, and for whom in development projects that use um, blended finance arrangements. In other words, it informs with real life evidence and also complements the methodological debate which is taking place at the OECD um, and other MDBs, DFIs, et cetera, about the definition and measurement of blended finance, um, the point that Hiro was just referring to. And we think it also complements very well uh, the ongoing debates in terms of defining and measuring the use of subsidies, which is a component, as I was saying right at the beginning of this podcast, of the blended finance package. Now, another aspect uh, which is important based on the findings of this report is that we use the report to draw IFC attention to two important things. One, again, as he was mentioning before, is the relevance and the importance of accounting for indirect subsidies through related advisory services that are always present, many times present in blended finance projects. This is the so-called technical assistance. Um, secondly, um, is if we threw light with this report on the balance of returns that are needed to um, compensate for the risks associated with blended finance projects. So we kind of raise awareness in IFC of the importance of disclosing publicly the justification uh, uh, and estimated concessional finance data in operations, at least since October 2019, what those principles um, that we were referring to previously to the answer uh, to the question that Tom put to us uh, referred to. So all in all, as you say, Mariana, we think that it has been a quite a positive experience uh, reflected by the response from the AFC, also within the World Bank Group and the reception that other MDBs have had to this, to 
to this uh, piece of evidence that we have put on the table. Just to give you an example, closer to home, the findings of the report were mentioned by an influential Washington-based think tank. The, many of you might know of it, it's the Center for Global Development. And it was mentioned to argue in favor of the US Congress authorization of the IFC capital increase. So to a small extent, we can claim our report has contributed to shape at least marginally the views of important policymakers. Thank you, Jose, and thank you, Hiro and Unud, for participating in our podcast and educating us on solutions to evaluate blended finance project. I know that the World Bank just launched a new conversation on capital mobilization, so I really hope you can come back again and, and, and tell us more about your recent evaluation. Um, and of course, thank you, Elena, thank you, Tom, for your Excellent questions. It's lovely working with you. And thank you all the listeners for tuning in. We really hope you will join us again next time.